It's your week, your sports, the new Clarksville Now podcast. I'm John Glass, along with Jeff Matthews and Christian Brown. All right, your week, your sports, the new local Clarksville sports podcast. We're going to be talking everything Austin P sports, high school, and everything else in between. I'm John Glass here with my good buddies, Jeff Matthews and Clarksville Now's Christian Brown. Guys, how are we feeling today? Feeling fantastic. Christian, how about you? I'm ready to have some fun. This is going to be our new sports podcast. Like I said, we're going to be talking everything high school sports from baseball to football, maybe a little wrestling, softball. Uh, we're going to talk Austin P. everything that entails, especially the craziness that went down this weekend, Jeff. So much craziness went down. And when we get into it, we are going to. We're, we're going to be in the thick of it. There's a whole conversation to be had about some calls that were made. Oh, yeah. And that's going to be an exciting time. But like you said, we're going to be talking about all things sports. So we got not only Austin P baseball coming up today, we're also going to be talking about women's golf. Also looking at, uh, in the high school realm of things, looking at player of the week. That one's a huge game. Also a nice little story from Christian Brown himself. Yeah, some uh, UFC action. That's true. We are going to look at that UFC match that happened a couple nights ago. Nate, the train, Landwehr. Incredible, incredible stuff. So, uh, yeah, guys, let's get right into it. We got some Austin P sports that happened over the weekend. What do you got, Jeff? So we're going to start off with women's golf. So their last tournament that they played, they had a first place finish March 12th through the 14th at the Bobby Nichols Intercollegiate Tournament. Awesome, he came out on top of that, but the big story, Taylor Dedman, she finished fourth place in that tournament. Right now she's averaging 74 strokes per round. And today they actually start another tournament for the Bab Steffens Invitational, and she's going to be playing in the number three spot for that matchup. They've been killing it recently. They've been playing very well. This is not, this. that last matchup was not their last, or their should say their first first place yeah. win. So like I said, they got first on the Bobby Nichols Intercollegiate. They also placed first at the Charles Braun Intercollegiate at the end of October in 2022. But then at the beginning of October, they also won at the Butler Fall Invitational. So they've been uh, they've been, been able to hit the little white ball pretty well. And yeah, as ASUN competition grows closer as well. That is true. Their next tournament is going to be for that ASUN Conference Championship. Ooh, that'd they be are nice to bring home. Form. It'd be a pretty trophy to put up in their uh, their glass case, that's for sure. They got this Bab Ste- that Bab Steffens Invitational that starts today. Really going to be one of those things where they're going to be trying to hone in on a lot of those skills, trying to find out what's going to be working for them. One downfall is, is it is playing in Florida. It's the first time they've been to Florida this year. Oh, yeah. You and know it plays different. It hot. plays a lot different. Yep, very hot. hot. Humid, that ball might be coming off a little slow off of your irons. But then also putting, if it's super humid out there, those greens could slow down a lot. Sticky, sticky greens. Yeah. (laughs) It could be beneficial, too. Don't get me wrong. I Mm -hmm. mean, you hit a nice shot, able to place it on the green, doesn't move a lot. That's valuable. But in the putting game, it could get get really bad. Absolutely. Yeah, and some of the girls are playing absolutely fantastic, too. You got Erica Scutt. Averaging 73 strokes, Taylor Dedman. Yeah, Erica Scott's going to be in that number one spot for the Governors this weekend. Or this week, excuse me. Way better than my handicap. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) The last time I played, I think I shot uh, 95, so I felt pretty proud of myself. I'm trying to go low (laughs) this year, and by low, I mean under 100. I sticked to putt-putt for a reason, everybody. Hey, putt-putt's valuable. I used to train on putt-putt courses. (laughs) Yeah, women's golf is killing it, and uh, yeah, we're excited to see what they do uh, this week. And uh, let's move on over to baseball, Jeff. So, I have some feelings about the baseball <laughs> oh, topic. Yes, and I think 
Christian and John both have heard me talk about this for the past, well, especially the past 24 hours. And then the last 48 hours, we've all been kind of talking about the uh, the ejection calls that came uh, on Saturday for the governors. It's been it's been interesting, that's for sure, against Liberty. That first game they came out, governors lost it 12-1. to Not a good way to start a series at all. But then going into that second game on Saturday, the governors had those three ejections from Roland Fanning, the pitcher and the catcher. Really hurt the governors in that moment, but the governors battled that whole entire game to come back and win it. They pulled it. They pulled it off. It was look. We don't want to talk any badness about officials no. or anything, but feels like it got taken out of the governor's hands sometime this weekend. Um, and that was not the only time. You, you don't see often that you see the head coach, the pitcher, and the catcher ejected all at the same time. So it was a very questionable call in that aspect of the game as well. Uh, but I think it kind of fired. The Ospie sideline and dugout up, though, completely, don't you think, guys? It was definitely a slugfest this weekend, at least on Saturday. I mean, it was hit after hit, baser, base runner after base runner getting on the bags. But to Christian's point, you're right. You don't see the catcher getting tossed in those moments as well. For those who don't know, the pitcher was ejected for throwing at a batter. Um, Payton, however, Payton Jula. Caitlin Jula was the pitcher for the Governors. However... The catcher being ejected was a separate instant incident than the actual act of throwing at the batter. So, so Jeff and I, we probably watched this at, at least, least 15, 20 times. 15, 20 times on Saturday when it happened. And objectively, you can look at it objectively and say what you will. Pitcher gets yeah. tossed. And by rule, pitcher gets tossed. Head coach is going to get tossed too. Uh, and then... You see the you see the issue with the catcher while he's getting it, while uh, Fanning's getting an explanation from the umpire. You see the catcher kind of I don't know if he's talking to the umpire, but he's facing that Liberty bench, getting chirp, chirping yeah. at each other, and then same guy who threw out Peyton Jula decided to uh, send the other guy to the bus too. Yeah, it was it was not a pretty look for the governors for sure. It was a questionable call. It's hard to tell for myself if he actually intended to throw at the batter, but it, it ultimately ends up being a judgment call by the umpire to make that decision. And I, honestly, nobody really knows what was said by the catcher to the, that official. Off, It was a third-base umpire at that. It was away from the head umpire and Coach Roland Fanning, so I don't think anybody really heard what was said except for that official. Maybe we'll get a description with the uh, report that they got to submit to the ASUN. Maybe. Now, Hopefully we'll hear something about it. It's important to note the player they th- possibly threw the pitch at as well. Uh, they gave up a home run to the player as well. Uh, and he kind of stared down the bench after the home run. So, Yeah, it's... It, it's not. It's it's never okay to throw at a batter. We have to first establish that. Absolutely. Um, but also, that's part of the game in a sense of how well, it's always been a part of the game. Right. You know. So the interesting thing is, is when I watch the video, it really does look like the pitcher just missed up and away. He's yeah. throwing eighty nine miles an hour. It's or eighty seven, I think, is what it was so clocked yeah, at. We, yeah, we were we were talking about that. Jeff Jeff was thinking. Maybe it's a, it was a curveball. I thought catcher was set up dead center. It was either I thought it was a curveball coming back down, and then I also thought it was just a breaking ball that was going to be going toward his back foot, and then he just hung it up in the zone and threw it behind him. And that's the other incriminating thing is it went behind him. Like it's it, that's a lot to oh, miss oh, on. Oh, yeah, over his head. I mean, it was. I mean, it was still it was maybe, behind maybe, him. Maybe over he his had head. a little popcorn before. Right. <laughs> maybe something like that. But it it, it didn't look great. It's a, it's a thing that you just have to, if you're Austin P, you just have to eat that one. Roland mm-hmm. Fanning left. Uh, the pitcher and catcher both headed back to the bus with Fanning. 
that was kind of the end of it for that game. Besides the comeback from Austin P. You can't forget the Diet Mountain Dew. That that's true. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> you cannot forget probably the best meme on the internet. Yeah, I think I that is the. Say, he, that's that, incredible. That picture blew up over the weekend for sure. As it should have. There's yeah. not a picture I have seen that's better than See, a just, head coach standing in front of the head umpire. Yeah. Backpack on. <laughs> it's on the field, dude. Like, it's hand. not like it's two not liter. like after the game. Two liters. Yeah, I was gonna say it's oh, not like it's a little can either. It's a no. two liter. Does he just roll around with a two liter Mountain Dew? I really hope so. I, mean, I hope so. I kind of respect it. I think it's you just know? his go bag for ball games. Like it's in his he's go like, bag. all right, got, got my gloves. Two liter got Mountain Dew. <laughs> I hope Diet Mountain Dew reaches out to Roland to be a be some sort of sponsor because I Pe- think PepsiCo PepsiCo reaching out. Uh oh. Is all wait? What is Austin Peay though, dude? They have Pepsi or Actually, Coca-Cola I think school? Austin P is a Coca-Cola school. Ooh. From what I remember, when I went there, they had Coca-Cola vending machines. We'll so, have to follow up on that. Yeah, yeah we'll get our investigative reporter on <laughs> it. Investigative reporting. And then it brings us to the next game. Sunday because 1-1 going into the rubber match on Sunday. Pitcher stool. For the mo- for all intents and purposes, up until probably the seventh inning, it was a I mean, pitcher stool. I would give you that. I mean, there was definitely some moments where there were some you know offensive things that happened that were pretty important. I mean, I say that. I mean, scores were run. I mean, scores were put up on the board. Yeah. Austin P had the lead four to zero, and then as soon as, really, as soon as Liberty started getting any kind of offensive momentum, they really were quick to put runners on the bag, which is a good thing for Liberty. I mean, they were moving very quickly, able to put some bats on the ball for sure. Really disrupting <laughs> Austin P and Austin P's pitching is kind of what. They weren't doing bad necessarily at the time, but it was just one of those things where it was like one batter gets on, you walk another, they get a double or they get a single. And next thing you know, like it you're in a up. weird position. And then those runs start kind of tallying up really quick. That, that environment, not only dug out on the Liberty side, but that environment, they were just loud. They Hell were yeah. just getting well, both teams, it. especially yeah. because of the day prior. I mean, they were chirping at each other all rivalry. game long. Yeah, it's a, it's a new rivalry. That's for sure. Um, but really, this game, the biggest thing that happened was the obstruction call. Actually, excuse me, I can't call it obstruction because that's going to be a part of our argument for yeah. today. The interference call that was made on Austin P, a runner standing on first, moving over to second, got in the way of the second baseman, fielding a ball that bounced right off of, basically right in front of home plate on the first base side. Um, seventh, seventh inning, one out, runners on first and third. Correct. So as soon as he hits this ball, second baseman crashes to go play the ball. First baseman covers first base. The runner from first runs to second. Second baseman and the runner don't collide. They don't necessarily touch. They avoid each other. They actually avoid each other. And <sighs> but they interference, still call interference yeah, on the play. Correct. Interference ends up being called on Austin P, which means... The runner is out as well as the batter was out. So, and the person that scored a run because Austin P no, had a runner was, I think on third. Just, I think it was just the runner, right? I believe it was the runner and, was one, and the batter. Because there was one out. There was runners on first and third. The runner that came home went back to third, and then the uh, runner on first he had to go back to first. So I think it just wound up being two outs, and then you had that long fly ball to uh, and, 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 to uh, yeah, yeah. right center. So according Not to yeah, no. according to the interference rule, which is seven point zero nine. Okay, here we go. Let's get into it. Part F. It is. It does state if in the judgment of the umpire, a base runner willfully and deliberately interferes with a batted ball or a fielder in the act of fielding a batted ball with the obvious intent to break up a double play, the ball is called dead. The umpire shall call the runner out for interference and also call out the batter runner because of the action yeah. of the runner. In no event many may base be may, 
In no event may bases be run or run scored because of such action by the runner. So I think I don't think that actually came into play. That F came into play. I don't know. I don't. No. I, he called two people out. If you rewatch that yep. video, he called he called the second second base runner out, and then he looked over and called the first base runner out. It's a tough look. So let's get let's get into the original rule. So section fifty one interference. Yes, an act that hinders or prevents a player from making a play. Uh. For offensive interference, this is what happened, uh, or allegedly happened. Allegedly. Uh, offensive what? interference is an act by the team at bat which interferes with, obstructs, impedes, hinders, or confuses any fielder attempting to make a play. A very, very vague rule, and actually this is one probably the most controversial rule uh, in college based on what happened in the 2022 World Series uh, last year. You got the base path. You're supposed to have three foot wide. So... There's a couple ways you can view this rule, and Jeff and I have some stern opposing viewpoints on this. Personally, for me, I thought that this was not interference. I used to umpire. Jeff, you, I think you used to umpire too. I did not, but did I, not? I'm heavily okay. involved in baseball. So I, I used to umpire Little League Junior Boys, a little bit of middle school. Um, it's different rules, but interference, in my opinion, because it's judgment at the end of the day. Like This rule right. is there, and it leaves room for judgment. Right. If you rewatch it, because we rewatched it probably 20 times, that high chopper, you see them about to collide. Both of them make the attempt to get out of the way. More so, uh, the runner. He gets completely makes a side around him, gives him a lane, in my opinion, gives him a lane to go to that ball. He just missed the play. You know, there's two things to look at in this scenario. First, did the runner slow down? And he did. He tried to get out of the way for the fielder. Then the second thing, he actually moved his body to not hit the infielder as well. So You, you could know, argue he went out of his own base path. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And the thing about it is, like, it didn't slow down the infielder. He stayed on a continuous course, and there wasn't any—I don't know why the play was called. So It's a tough one. So, and I'm on the side of—it it was the right call, but not that it should have been called. I don't necessarily. I think if you're going to make, for, there was so room. My, for, there was room to make that call. Exactly. My stance on the whole matter is that even though, even though I personally, as an umpire, would not have made that call, yeah. I don't believe the judgment should have been made that he willfully and deliberately tried to impede on his ability to play the ball. That's where that F segment comes into play. Exactly. Again, it comes down to the judgment call. See, so then, what you have to do is then that gives you the room to make questions about the judgment of the umpire in that situation because i don't think we're we're not talking about whether or not that play should be called an interference i believe 100 percent it should not have been called interference yeah however looking at the rules and understanding um like kind of just like the proceedings of everything of kind of like what happened after that after he was called i'm gonna have to i have to say that there was room for that call to be made and whether or not we like it or not it's an umpire call and as much as it is not the easiest way to go about it, you have to. That is a part of baseball is having to deal with umpire you know, errors. The other one, uh, thing to bring up: that same umpire was the one that talked to Roland Fanning before he threw him out. It so, was weird. Uh, there was, was there it, some possible bad blood as well? well That's you, something to you get. So you, to, to you had the liberty. Inf- you had the liberty. Like Osby was gaining steam. They just scored their run to go up three. Uh, it was what five to two at that point. They were, they, they, they were going up three, and then you had the infielder start. Complaining to the umpires, hey, interference, whatever. So, like, they didn't call interference on the field. They, they went to 
video review to go see if it was interference. Well, they went to video review about seven or eight different times oh, yeah, throughout the series. That's the other thing. I think in that last three innings, I think there were like three video reviews. And I don't know, in, even at, at one point, you had the home plate umpire. I think it was like an inning later. You had the home plate umpire getting into it with the other bench coach. Yeah. You had to have Austin B's catcher come out and pull him back. But, I mean, it, tensions were high. And that's where I also think we you might be reading that it was bad blood. I can yeah. see where it – maybe I don't think it was. No. I think what it was was a high-tension weekend yeah. for umpires, for Liberty, and for Austin P. Overall, pretty tame. Nothing bad happened. Nothing no. crazy. Just anything like that. Exactly. Just super competitiveness. And I think when the competition is really high with the players, I feel like – Umpires in general are going to probably pick things up a little bit with a kind of kind of pick things out with a finer tooth comb. It, just it, trying to you know, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that that's where we're going to see some of these instances where we really don't agree with a judgment call by an umpire. Yeah, I think I think it's fans too. You just what you really just don't want to see is umpires injecting themselves right. into the game. Which I'm, I'm not saying they did. Look, that is a tough job. Yeah. It it's hard. You have you, to be quick. You have to be right. Nobody, like, nobody as we're sitting here now. No, no, yeah. Nobody is completely on your side. Yeah. In that, no. At all. They might like you for a minute, but <laughs> they might hate you the next inning. Yeah. You might have to toss them out, and then tensions get high. People. And that's suspended. the name of the game, right? Yeah. And that's and well, that goes back to pace of play that they're trying to change. And people have the talks of getting rid of umpires in Major League Baseball and go into an electronic strike zone. Yeah. Umpire error is a part of baseball, and I think to get rid of that would be to get rid of an integral part of the game. Yeah, that's that's what makes the game beautiful. Exactly. But uh, yeah, Austin P. They unfortunately dropped that game, uh, lose the series two to one. So uh, yeah, we're gonna be moving on to the next. So you know they played really well though since I spoke to Roland Fanning and some other team leaders as well before conference play began. Especially at that first uh, series when they beat North Florida uh, in games two and three to take the overall series. So th- I think they're definitely on the right path. And, you know, I think it was a, there was a lot of positive takeaways after the Liberty Series did end. Yeah, it was a fun series to watch. Honestly, competitive baseball all the way around. Uh, Liberty, strong team. They're preseason favorites to win the A Sun Conference Championship. So I think that that's something to look forward to for Austin P. You gave them a run for their money. It says a lot. I mean, it's a huge yeah. opportunity. Also, you put up 18. I mean, 18 runs. 18 runs in baseball and is a lot. comeback victory. Yeah, comeback it, victory. Keep your heads high, Austin P. Oh. My notes for them, take this week. They're at, a, they're at a few different things. They have a Beller. They're facing Bellerman next weekend for a three-day, three-game series. Bellerman's not doing too hot right now. They're 7-17 seven and 17 overall, 2-4 and four in conference play. My notes for the Governors, take a rest this week. You know, go, in, go into Bellerman strong, work on things that you wanted to see during that Liberty game, and then try to get right back on track to your ASUN Conference road because Austin P is a strong team right now. Reset, reset, get the mentals right. Baseball's 80% mental. It's a true statement. And let's go into uh, go into the baseball weekend hot. So, uh, yeah, moving on, let's talk a little basketball, Austin P basketball. Corey Gibson. Corey Gibson, the big hire for Austin P recently. Basketball has been a, kind of in a weird spot this past season. With head coach Nate James leaving after the completion of the season, Austin P did not make it into the playoffs, or excuse me, did not make it into the A-Sun tournament. Tough for Austin P. I mean, that's something that Austin P has held on to for a while, is consistently making the A-Sun championship run. This year didn't get it done. Uh, I believe actually ended up being last in the A-Sun conference. Yeah, it's, it's tough, but Corey Gibson coming in. Dave Luce, disciple from the coaching tree of Luce. 
Yeah, huge opportunity for the governors. It's uh, with having somebody coming in from Dave Luce's team. It brings not just somebody familiar with Austin P, but it brings back a legacy that Austin P really built with Dave Luce, a championship team. I want to talk about the timeline real quick as well. You know, usually these hiring processes take months, if not, you know, more than that. You know, or not more than that, but it would take months. And they hired Gibson after only a couple weeks. They knew who they wanted, and they sat out and got their guy. And I applaud Austin P for that. For sure, for sure. Yeah, no. Two seasons he played basketball at Austin P. 2002 through 2004. Like we said, he was an assistant under Dave Luce for three seasons, 2012 through 2015. A lot of success. A lot of awards, Jeff. So many awards coming out of uh, Corey Gibson. Let's start with, um, well, let's just talk about the success he had with Northwestern State, oh, the school sure. he was at for the 2022-2023 season. With Northwestern, they went, it was his their first 20 win season. They finished it out 22 and 11 overall, 13 and 5 in conference play, averaging 74 points per game. They were a 44% shooting team in the field. They were really strong on the defensive side of things as well, averaged 16 points off of turnovers. Opponents were averaging 13, averaging eight steals. That's pretty impressive in itself, making getting those turnovers to give them some more points. Huge opportunity for the governors getting Gory Gibson. But also, with that, he is also planning on bringing a few players. Right now, the big guy, the guard, DeMarcus Sharp, out of the South, he was the Southland Conference Player of the Year last year. He's already said that he is going to be uh, atten- intending to go to Austin P. Crazy, crazy, crazy. The crazy thing about that as well, according to two, uh, 247 Sports, there was three SEC teams in play for his uh, transfer portal. So Missouri, Arkansas, and Florida were all involved in recruiting Sharp. So that's a huge transfer win. Arkansas, Arkansas Missouri. making a note. I just want to make a note. Yeah, I think you're about to say the kind of the same thing yeah. I am. Missouri and Arkansas, Arkansas the, oh. were pretty big uh, coming into yeah. the NCAA tournament. Arkansas had a chance at it. They were trying to make a run. They're a strong team right now. They made the Sweet 16. Yeah. yeah, they did. Before getting blown out by UConn. And, and Mizzou caused a lot of problems oh, for people yeah. this year. Yeah, like that. That Florida, Mizzou, Arkansas. That is no joke, right there. No, yeah. that's a pretty big list of names coming after him, especially coming out of Northwestern his stats, State. Though too, look at his stats. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. He, he himself is a forty-six percent shooter in the field. He, he's a stud overall. Fifty-five percent behind the arc. That's insane. That is. I think it's. I think I looked at the numbers. It's twenty-nine off of sixty-something attempts. Still incredible. That's all. That is very high. The and one he, thing I would like to see, you know, nothing is official. He's still just in the transfer portal. I don't think anything official has come yeah, out yeah. saying that he's going except to Austin the P. player himself. Correct, except for the player himself saying that he intends to go here. Um, but one thing I would like to see kind of pick up a little bit is that 80% free throw shooting percentage. That one right there, I'd like to see that one closer to the 93 range, 94 range. Jeff has high expectations. I do have yeah, high, expectations, high expectations, especially for cut the kids some slack. No, if you're shooting fifty five percent behind the arc. Look, I'm a little j- I'm a little jaded after watching Tennessee basketball this year with their free throw uh <laughs> debacles. Uh, you know they always say the free throw shoot is uh the one thing you should be able to do consistently because it's the one thing that never changes. But the I'm world give of sports says eighty percent pretty darn good. Great. Still. Yeah, don't get me 86, wrong. If we can get up to eighty I'm uh, eighty seven, eighty seven. All right, yeah. I'll take that one. Seventy six. Um you know, something I want to touch on real quick, too. Yeah. You know, going to that press conference where he was introduced, you could tell how much this opportunity means to him. And, you know, I think that's something that was lacking with the Nate James era. You know, so it's really good to see just how involved he wants to be with Austin Peabody. And that, and that matters. Yeah, it does. I, I mean, it's huge. And that's something I think some people haven't uh, – some people don't see sometimes is you see coaches – 
and they sometimes they'll come off as they don't care. And I think a lot of coaches do care. They are just so focused on something a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit more pressing. Like they they don't think too much about the The community side of it. Yeah. They don't think too much about the community side of it or like just the culture creating portion of being a coach. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you are able to counteract it, you know what I mean? If you just ignore it, that's not good. But coach Corey Gibson like you said, has come out to see that emotion. Raw emotion. He, I mean, he even it's said beautiful. online, he's like, I still bleed red. Like, yeah, it was probably meant to be a little bit funny, but like him coming up with that, it just shows you that he actually does care. Like, yeah. this is where I think he wants to be. He wants to be the head coach. Bleeds red both Austin. figuratively and literally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he's, I think, I think that's what makes me more excited about Austin P basketball for this upcoming season. Well, it was hard to be excited last season for the Austin P basketball team. And you know, I think, during his introduction press conference, he laid the foundation right then and there. And that's why you're seeing these numerous transfers following him to Austin P. So it's really exciting time in Austin P. That's like history. Deion Sanders. He's just getting everyone to follow him out. Yep. It's true. Shout out Deion. For sure. Yeah. No, Corey Gibson, just a lot of raw emotion in that press conference. Tears shed. Just absolutely awesome to see. Uh, former player, former Dave Luce coaching tree disciple come and, uh, and uh, rejoin the Govs. Here, here's my prediction for the tw- yeah. 2023 season. First place Govs A-Sun. First place Govs A-Sun. Uh, that's wow. a big one. Christian I, putting I, the... have, I have ex- high expectations. I'll, too, put Austin, I'll predict Austin P top four. We got to see how we got to see how the roster is going to shake out too. Players leaving, players coming in. So, yeah, no, it was uh, a lot of fun. But uh, let's move on to high school. A lot of high school stuff. We want to start out with player of the week. So player of the week for Clarksville now is going to be Kate Steiner out of Northwest High School. Had a great outing against Houston County not too long ago. Hit Had the no hitter, but then on top of that, able to have a nice little moment and dedicate it to his father. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really cool. You know, it was great talking to Kate as well. Just a standout character. Uh, so his father's been... In the hospital since spring break with health complications. I won't go into details about that. But uh, Cage just had to really step up at home and on the field. So he's had to take care of his grandma, um, his little brother as well, and also help his mom out anyway. And uh, his father, Chris Steiner, uh, he's a teacher at Northwest and also a TSSAA umpire. Uh, So he's a really big part of the community, and I hope he uh, is resting and getting back to full strength. But you know, Cade, you know, dedicated that game to him. Uh, in addition, I know hitter, he struck out 13 batters. 13 Ks. Something to be really proud of. He said his fastball was working throughout the outing. So big, big head nod to Cade Steiner for his performance this past week. Look, look, look at his batting line, too. Oh, I know, I know. That's <laughs> not, and it bats lead off for Northwest, so they definitely trust him up there at the top of the lineup. 375, five runs, one RBI, three walks, three steals. He was on it. Crazy. And you know, the crazy thing about this is, too, week one, there's a no-hitter. But then also, Rossview throws a no-hitter the following week as well. So, Cannon Rice, shout-out to you, sir. Way to go on your no-hitter. It's Getting a no-hitter, especially in high school, is kind of incredible. I mean, high school ball, you're kind of still tweaking things out, trying to figure out what works best for you. A lot of emotion. A lot of emotion coming out of high school players, no matter the sport. Um so to be, to be able for him to come out there 
with everything going on in the background noise because we all know that that exists for everybody. It speaks to his leadership. I mean, and, yeah, you, you, you got to have a toughness, commanding mindset to be able to go out there, chill your emotions out while you're on the mound and do do your job. And he he displayed everything you want in the pitcher, especially at the high school level. Composed, out there throwing his spots, letting things happen, letting things. He wasn't going out there trying to throw a no hitter. I think he said that he didn't even know he had a no hitter until later in the game. Yeah. yeah he, so, uh, head coach for Northwest or yeah Northwest, Christopher Bean told me he didn't realize, uh, or K didn't realize he was throwing a no hitter till the very end of the game. So that again, huge. Bean mentioned that speaks on just how locked in he gets on that mound. Huge. Stepping away from uh, Cade Steiner and our player of the week, Kirkwood Kirk High School, finally getting some coaches in rotation at another high school. school year. Yeah, at another high school. Ten total high schools in Montgomery County, including Fort Campbell High School. It's like we're growing or something. I think it was when I like I graduated in 2010. I think it was like or like six, seven. Wow, I think that's like about that. right. It's, it's keeping me busy. I am old. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, but. To start things off, so Kirkwood announced five new head coaches. Cross-country boys is going to be Mark McNeil. The girls' cross-country coach is going to be Linda Courtney. And then as we look at um, volleyball, Shayla Smith. Girls' basketball, Christopher Carney. And boys' basketball will have John Stegall as the head coach. Sure, we move on to cross-country. Mark McNeil, longtime teacher with cross-country coach in Montgomery County. Uh, got his bachelor's assistant at Austin P for cross country and track and field. He coached at Northwest and Rossview. Yeah, he's going to have a lot of experience walking in. And, you know, just to kind of start this topic off, when you're starting a new high school, there's not a whole lot you can go off of except for somebody's experience. I mean, there is nobody who has a legacy at the school. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the athletic department kind of really just starts from the ground up. Right Build now, that legacy. Yeah, exactly. You're starting a whole new high school. And if you're the principal, if you're the athletic director for Kirkwood, you have an opportunity here to really paint a picture of what you want an athletic department to look like. And, and still, I think that school, that's still that culture. Yeah, exactly. You get to, I mean, you get to really build it from that ground up. And isn't that enticing as a coach as well to go into a program knowing you get to build something right from the start? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of pressure, but I mean, it's pressure that, I mean, I think especially for these fellow people, they probably enjoyed that. They yeah. probably want that pressure. Especially in the Montgomery County right. area. Since I mean, there's so many things you can do. Experience from there. Also for cross country, you said Linda Courtney. She's the assistant athletic director as well for Kirkwood. She has 10 years at Kenwood teaching and coaching. Uh, for the night, she coached volleyball. She actually was awarded coach of the year for their latest season. You know, Linda Courtney is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet as well. So Kirkwood's getting a really good one with them. Uh, Kenwood will surely miss her, no doubt about that. Absolutely, absolutely. Moving on to volleyball, Shayla Smith, West Creek grad, 100 career kills, uh, all-freshman team, two-time all-conference first team, all-regionable honorable mention. Uh, she was an assistant at West Creek and head volleyball coach uh, at Hancock Day School. Great, great addition. You know, it's huge getting that, you know, player experience than coaching right. experience as well. So I think that hires great for the program. That's how you want to do it, too. And plus, yeah, you know, yeah. you so know they, how the town So they're works. in their shoes, you know. They've been in their shoes, those student-athlete shoes. So for sure, it's a huge dub, in my opinion. Moving over into the basketball world for the girls, it will be Christopher Carney. He played for Maryville College from 2006 over to 2009. 
a student assistant following the year of his graduation. He has been an assistant over at Kenwood. He also has been a head coach at Portland. And then from my hometown, had some time as a head coach for Wilson Central and then Mount Pleasant, and then wrapping up at his latest school, Camden High, with the girls' team. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then, uh, yeah, John Stignall, uh, he was coach at Todd County Central last year. He's coaching since 2003. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. Coach at Cheatham County Boys, uh, Kenwood, 2008 through 2014. Winning his coach in program history at Kenwood, making the move over, trying to instill that cult, that, like we were saying, that culture, uh, building something new, uh, you couldn't ask for something better than that. So now, now that's official. They have their cross country coaches locked up: volleyball, girls basketball, boys basketball, football, soccer, then also softball locked up. So it's really coming together for Kirk, Kirkwood Athletics. I'm really excited to see what yeah. what it looks like come fall oh when God, everything yeah. gets put together and, and, and they're starting they to play games. Yeah, I think well. it's oh, going to be. I am looking forward <laughs> to see how Montgomery is structured after they're officially in. As far as who the top dogs who, are. Yeah, who's going to be the top dog in Montgomery County? Because just going based off of, I'll, I'll kind of turn it back to like my hometown. We had we recently had a new high school pop up a couple of years ago out of Green Hill High School. Yeah. I went to Mount Juliet. Um, Green Hill came out. They kind of split the district. So half of Mount Juliet kids, well, previously went to Mount Juliet, now went to Green Hill. Wild experience because, I mean, immediately they were competitive with everybody else in the district. I mean, there wasn't even a question about it. And I think they actually beat us, beat Mount Juliet in multiple sports. So when a new high school pops up, you kind of, it's 50-50. Whether or not it's going to be incredible or whether or not it might take a little bit. Well, so it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, the landscape of the athletics is shaped because they're going to get student athletes from all over the exactly. county. Yeah, exactly. So how is, who's going to be there and, you know, you know I don't know. It's going to be interesting to find out. Yeah, no, for sure. Talent, you know, getting split up. That's that's one big thing in Clarksville, too. You have so many high schools, and we're at another one, too. And uh, it, it, sometimes it's a crapshoot whether you find out the talent that's coming in, who's splitting up, because you have just all-stars right. all around the county. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be fun, though. Moving on into the high school, well, moving along in the high school realm, West Creek Boys basketball coach stepped down, stepped down. Russell Malone is a coach for nearly 30 years, nine of which were for the boys basketball program. Decided he just wanted to spend some more time with his family. So he's still going to be teaching over at West Creek. However, just not going to be uh, in a coaching role anymore. Yeah. However, the weird thing is, is he did say that he was open to coaching opportunities as well as further education opportunities down the road. Need a little break. I mean, maybe that's just, yeah. I mean, that couldn't be understandable. 30 years is a long, long 30 time. years of coaching. I don't blame him. I mean, you coaching coach. one season, I can imagine being hard. Yes. 30 Especially years. West Creek had an up and down season. They were a very talented team. You know, the postseason didn't go the way they wanted, but, you know, I understand the decision, but also he's such a class act. I want to say that real quick. And he was a pleasure to work with throughout this entire experience of this season. So the last topic of high school. Uh, another coaching move. Clarksville Academy football coach has resigned. Mr. Scott Murray had a 13 and eight school record with Clarksville Academy last season. They went seven and four did make the playoffs. However, at the end of the day, Scott, Mr. Murray said that uh, they are uh, just wanting him and his family just want to move in a different direction. So he actually took a position as the head coach over at Winehouse Heritage. You know, the crazy thing about him as well, he developed a uh, DJ Merriweather into uh, Mr. Football uh, finalist. He yeah, I can believe won, it. He won the award. So, you know, I think that, I think White Harris Heritage saw his player development skills, and maybe that's what enticed him into bringing him in. So, oh, yeah, for sure. No, 
I mean, thirteen and eight school record, seven and four last season, made the playoffs. It's just it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. You have to. I mean, you can't you can't hold a man back when he's just working to do the right thing for his family. Yeah, wish him, wish him nothing but the best. Yep. Excited to see uh, who Clarksville Academy is going to get to uh, bring it in, um, and I think that's going to be again just something that. Montgomery County has to look for because Clarksville Academy, again, another very competitive football team, very competitive school in general. So it's, it'll be interesting to see who they try to go out and get. Sure, for sure. And then uh, moving on, we got a couple of couple of things, but we're going to hit into our last big topic. Uh, Nate, the train land where Nate, the train getting the dub, cutting the promo. Only he could cut this weekend. It was absolutely the Clarksville native Rossview grad. Actually, he he was like a senior when I was in high school at Rossview. I think even my bro- brother graduated. Dude, dude is just something else. A character. I love him, man. He is awesome. Makes me a little nervous in that first. I'm always just watching him. I'm just I always get a little nervous in that first round. He's he's not afraid to take. No, hits. that's the thing. Yeah, like and he likes I to. I think mix that's it what up. makes you so nervous, probably. Yeah, you know, Nate. Nate likes but to get in there, and mix it he, up. He just doesn't mind it, you know, and that's part of his game plan. He wants to. He kind of wants to feel that opponent out, and that's what you mentioned, like. After the first two, three sequences of the fights, you know, he really gets understanding of what to expect from his opponent. And I think that's one reason he's won three fights in a row and four out of his last five. Four out of his last five, two submissions uh, in his last three. And then he also got that uh, decision win over David Onama. But it, this week it was him and Austin Lingo. Uh, he was supposed to fight number 15, Alex Caceres, but uh, dropped out. I don't think we ever actually got like. A full explanation per, on Personal that? decision by personal Alex, decision? I believe. Uh, he didn't disclose anything further than that. See, and I think if that happens... Actually, I, so I not think to cut you off. No, you're fine. Nate Landwehr was labeled number 15 going in that fight. So I think since Alex dropped out, Nate was bumped up to that 15 so spot. So that was going to be kind of one of my questions because I was, I was on the UFC website and I was looking at their rankings and they still hadn't yet, uh, they didn't make any changes yet to it. But that was kind of my thought was yeah. if, if he drops out of a fight that basically would have taken him out of that 15 spot by losing. There's a lot of variables. There's lot so of variables many variables that go it. on, but I guess I do kind of understand the feeling of, well, okay, if he was ready to fight and he did his job. You didn't. I don't think they updated those rankings yet because yeah. ahead of fight night on their website, uh, they did label him as 15. Really? But in the rankings for the featherweight division, they haven't updated it yet. Okay. Exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see how that gets updated within the next coming weeks. Maybe there's going to be a news story that drops for Coceras. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was a really good fight and like as nervous as I do do get in those first like three minutes with Nate uh fighting, uh this is probably the most poised that I have seen Nate like really mixing it up. He was ready, man. Working all all the levels. If you I mean if you look at the scorecard you can just see it. Significant strikes, sixty four of hundred and fifty three, sixty eight total strikes, uh sixty sixty four of sixty eight. Significant. Uh thirty six headshots. Uh, nine body, and then his leg kicks. If you look at the difference between Austin Lingo's leg kicks versus Nate Landwehr's leg kicks, 19 of 24 from uh, Nate. He and then, down. Yeah, and then three of four for Austin. Like, a very mature fighter, and you're starting to see every with every single fight, Nate's maturing more and more and more, and uh, really coming into his own. Really a crowd favorite, and a favorite of Dana, seeming at this point. <laughs> you heard that post con- uh, post-press conference. Dana called... Nate Landweir a savage, savage, which is the perfect description of Nate Landweir. You know, especially like once you look at it, he is 
I like to compare it to Conor McGregor. You know, oh. fighting, but also the comic relief <laughs> yeah. afterward. You know? That's a little bit of a mouth on him. Yeah, yeah. So there was at one point, he I think he threw like three or four leg kicks, like back to back, in a, like going for like leg head kicks. Yeah. I think he was going for head kicks, front well, kicks. Like he was really, really, like I said, working all those levels, like really keeping him off kilter. And uh, yeah, I think showing that Nate is definitely trying to get down in that flyweight division and move all the way up. And uh, maybe for a title one day. Yeah. Maybe one day, yeah, maybe get that title. Then he cut uh, that awesome promo, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> so just, I'm, I'm going to quote him right now. I have a highlight reel like Evil Knievel, swagger like Elvis Presley, and I'll be damned if I'm not handsome. <laughs> it was That's incredible. It was, he was electric. Yeah. And he had San Antonio going off. That crowd was electric. I think he said he. I think his one of his other quotes was he's like this Tennessee boy coming down like the Alamo to Texas. He's just a character crowd favorite, and uh, yeah, he labeled his finish because he won by rear naked choke. Oh, That's uh, my favorite sec- part. Yeah, second round uh, goes on. Mike he's like, I think he said something like that was a sucker punch rear naked choke. So <laughs> new finisher, sucker punch, knock dudes uh, mouth guard out. And uh, yeah, I got him with the rear naked choke. Then also afterward, I don't know if you guys caught this. He actually called Alex Canceres back out and said he wants to rerun he wants, that yeah, fight. He, he, he needs to. He, he needs to. He's pumped for it, you know. So we'll, well see if I that think, happens. I don't know what Alex's well, for situation to, is. Like for him to earlier. move up, I think that's the next fight for him. Yeah. is to finally get that Canceres fight or He's, someone between that fourteen to yeah. eleven range where he could shoot up the rankings of the I mean I, I would I would absolutely love to see that Caceres fight just because Caceres knocked out Julian Rosa who did get the Julian Rosa got the finish on Nate right. uh controversial whether yeah. they should have been stopped in or not but right. nonetheless I think that would be a good fight for Nate coming up if not more than that and but uh, the thing about it is Nate's put Dana White and UFC leadership on notice for the featherweight division so mm-hmm. I think he's going to get a pretty Good matchup next fight. Well, he, he should at least. That's what he he what he, Dana was saying too at the end. He was like, "Yeah, you're always seeing Nate in the Did You Know segment. Well, you know who he is now. He's yeah. like, and this guy is definitely something to keep an eye out on. Yeah. Watching the featherweight division. Imagine if he would have went straight to the UFC like earlier in his career, where he would be now. You know? Oh, so he, that, he killed it over in Russia, yeah, dude. Exactly. You look at his he, record. He's he one of the most it. prolific re- or UFC or MMA fighters for sure in Russian history, probably. For sure. Um, yeah, that's kind of what we got. There's some more fun stuff coming up. We got uh, Major League Baseball starting off this week. That uh, is exciting. Cardinals playing the Blue Jays. My Cardinals playing the Blue Jays on Thursday. You can catch that on ESPN Clarksville, actually. Uh, but, boys, how do, what do y'all think? Uh, I want to give one last shout-out to Ossipee softball pitcher Jordan Benefuel. Uh She became the sixth player in program history with 300 career strikeouts. Then she moved into Fifth all time in strikeouts for the program. So huge short out to Jordan Benefuel. Nice. Nice. Just to let you know the Braves are going to be playing the Nationals on opening day. Yeah. So the Bravos. Yeah, my my Bravos. Um, but no, just to kind of give you guys a quick little rundown of what's coming up for Austin P Sports this week. Uh, women's golf we talked about going to be at the Bab Steffens Invitational. Men's golf also playing the end of given Tuesday, Polly's Island Invitational. Baseball's at Murray State on Tuesday. Softball on Murray State on Wednesday. Friday beach volleyball for uh, against Jacksonville State women's tennis going to be going up against Stetson on Friday men's tennis Florida Gulf Coast on Friday beach volleyball again has two games on Friday and then there is a three day three game series for baseball against Bellarmine and softball will play Florida Gulf Coast over the weekend as well a lot of sports Murray State Austin P at a conference game rivalry 
You can't does, beat it. D- doesn't matter. Hey, that battle of the border is still alive to this day. I don't care if we're not in the same conference. Nope. Yep. For you know, uh, sure. I think the other two things I want to mention, uh, the all-area boys basketball team for Clarksville now is going to come out this week. Yeah. Then also additional player of the week should be named. Uh, within yeah, make the sure you go next check that days. out. ClarksvilleNow.com. Click on that sports tab. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for this week. It's been fun. And moving forward with the podcast. Yes. Yeah, welcome sure. to the Your Week, Your Sports. We're going to be trying to do this every week. So hopefully we'll be able to give you guys as much sports material as possible. Oh, absolutely, for sure. It's going to be a lot of fun. For Jeff Matthews, for Christian Brown, I'm John Glass. See you all later.